welcome to Screen Actors Guild, where we ordinarily explore Oscar-winning actors and the embarrassing films they'd rather forget, but in this is part two out of our three-part Jolly Old St. Nick series, and in light of the fact that Nicolas Cage cannot be embarrassed, I think we do have to amend that tagline. Uh, I am your host, Michelle, the flock of doves poetically flying through a church in slow motion. And I'm Henry the Peach. Oh, goddamn. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, we watched two hours and 20 minutes of Face Off, and I could not be more ready to talk about this experience. It's a classic. It's, yeah, it, I, it's actually, the, the thing about it, the problem for doing it on this podcast is it's a pretty good movie. Yeah, it's uh, not the caliber that we usually explore. No, it's, I mean, like, it's not art, but it is no. craft. And it's, it's good craft for the particular thing it's trying to, it's like, yeah. I mean, it's, it's sort of seminal for the thing it's trying to be, right? Like, I would agree. This is, I mean, it's John Woo doves, right? It's like, yeah, it's, it's that level it's of peak, replicated. It's peak John Woo. It's peak cage, to be honest. And it's mm-hmm. like, it's a really acutely used used cage crazy like channeling what he normally does into the appropriate setting like that was done beautifully here it's never been more appropriate for him to fucking flip out and yell all the things that he would normally yell in any film and it it's weirdly like tone appropriate the movie gives him permission in a way that a lot of movies he just takes the permission yes but this movie like opens its arms like you can do what ever you want and be as weird as you fucking want and it's just gonna fit yeah. uh it feels like it was written for him which it wasn't but it feels like it was it wasn't no okay so normally i like what? to save a lot of the trivia till the end but this kind of trivia i feel like belongs at the beginning so this film years before it got made was written uh with michael douglas and harrison ford in mind <laughs> Like two of the most dry, like dramatic, dramatic action, like, like playing a cop chasing after someone, but not harnessing any amount of unhinged craziness. Those type of actors. Who was supposed to play who? I'm not sure. I would imagine. Michael Douglas had to be the Nicolas Cage character, right? There's no way Harrison Ford can pull off Nicolas Cage. And I don't think anyone would ever want to watch him play a gross character. Like that's not... Yeah, it doesn't work for him. And, like, I guess Michael Douglas had, at some point, like, depending on when it was going to be made, like, that was kind of around falling down when Michael Douglas was, like, kind of playing creepy murderer. Sure. But, like, that feels like the writers didn't know what movie they were making. And then there's this other thing that I learned that feels like they knew exactly what movie they were making. But they had a scene that got cut where... um. Nicolas Cage's character like goes to hide out at his mom's house and his mom they said one they wanted to either have the mom played by Liz Taylor which is fine but probably not an option or Jack Nicholson in drag what <laughs> so, absolutely not so, no no that's no every, fucking way that's absolutely everything. not 
has everything you need to know about the thing that we just watched is that before Nicolas Cage even signed on, they were already operating in a world and a consciousness where you can just ask someone to do that and feel like it's a possibility and where you can write dialogue with that in mind. I mean, there there are also major actors that you can like put in that context and it's not skin crawlingly bizarre yeah i know jack nicholson there's like (laughs) he is he is there's there's nothing that speaks traditional femininity about jack nicholson all jack nicholson says is like like weird scar tissue yes like a grizzly unhinged but like uh i mean he's the joker like you know who would be like an appropriate choice for that kind of role would be like like an Edward Norton or something. Like yeah. someone who 100% could like throw that person in a wig and make them play a kind of a creepy female character and they'd probably nail it. Yeah. Jack Nicholson. He's he's so broad-faced and his <laughs> eyebrows are so weird. And he's the most like recognizable person. Yeah. Like there's no <laughs> which I guess might be the point. Uh, The the trivia section of IMDb either was, like, doing a really funny job of trolling me, or that is just a stone-cold fact that I'm never, ever, ever going to forget and stop repeating, because it's the funniest thing in the world. I am looking forward to the, the, like, uh, IMDb portion of this, because I just pulled it up, and there are 234 pop keywords for this fucking movie. (laughs) There was so much trivia. I had to start skimming, because it was just, it was fact-dense. And I had to cherry pick it. Uh, all right. So we should, I mean, <sighs> many people have seen Face Off. I hadn't until this watch. Oh, what a uh, But we should tell people what this movie is about. Because I think everybody has like a sense mm-hmm. that it's a, somehow about John Travolta and Nicolas Cage trading faces. Yeah. But that's as much as I knew going into it. Yeah. Um, I am I'm happy to do the recap, but I would also like to offer you the honors being mm-hmm. that this is your first time watching it, and I think it will be funnier coming from you. Yeah, sure. Uh, New virginize. So, yes. So John Travolta is a career FBI agent who might be the number two person at the FBI, or maybe not. Not entirely clear how the chain of command works. It doesn't really matter, but it does come up more and more toward the end of the thing. <laughs> yeah. uh, and he's... His son, his little boy, had been murdered by Nicolas Cage in a mustache. And and then you flash forward five years and John Travolta is like closing in on Nicolas Cage. And uh, Nicolas Cage plants a bomb in the LA Convention Center and then gets caught by John Travolta in the most absurd (laughs) uh, car-on-plane chase shootout uh, that ends in a plane crashing into a hangar and Nicolas Cage being thrown by a jet engine into a, like... Metal cage. Yeah, into a metal cage and then maybe dying, but not actually, put into a coma. Yeah. And they've caught Nicolas Cage. He's like a... High stakes terrorist for hire. Mm -hmm. And uh, Travolta's been chasing him his entire career. And Travolta, uh, but like they know that there's this giant bomb that's set to go off somewhere in LA. Uh, And the only person that knows is Nicolas Cage's brother, uh, played by some actor I've never seen before or seen again, uh, who goes to prison. And the only person he'll talk to is his brother. 
uh, is Nicolas Cage. And they have a scientific procedure to rip Nicolas Cage's face off of his face and put it onto John Travolta's face and also change John Travolta's body uh, and chest hair. They're very specific about. Uh, and scalp, which is important because they have very different scalps. And, uh, yes. uh, and modulate his voice sometimes. And then they send... So they do all of this to John Travolta. Uh, they turn him into Nicolas Cage. They send John Travolta into this crazy supermax prison to, uh, to find out from Nicolas Cage's brother where this bomb is planted. And he does. Meanwhile, John Tra- uh, Nicolas Cage wakes up from his coma. that they've, left, they've just left him, like, free in a hospital bed. Yeah, he's just unattended face- <laughs> in a coma in a hospital bed it's just somewhere in the depths ass- of a... <laughs> With his raw ass face wrapped, he unwraps it. Is you know seems relatively cool with it. Uh, gets the the doctor to come in and put John Travolta's face, which is just lying there, uh, in like a bowl of jelly. Uh, yeah, uh, it's just got a vat of face that he then sticks onto his face and gets John Travolta's body type and chest hair and scalp, <laughs> and uh, and then becomes John Travolta's character and like. Uh, Uses his knowledge as Nicolas Cage. Meanwhile, let's just say, John Travolta is doing a Nicolas Cage impression for the better part of this movie because he's playing the Nicolas Cage character and it's the most I've ever liked John Travolta, at least yep. sort of post 1970s. Yeah. And uh, Travolta as Cage, this is going to start getting confusing because mm-hmm. he knows what all of Cage knows. He uses it to foil his own plot so that he can become like, uh, this is a very circuitous plan that he can then become this like master terrorism buster so he can kill all of the other terrorists for hire so he can become the only terrorist for hire but meanwhile he's like just being a pretty good cop uh, but yeah, also true. <laughs> but also killing people in the process uh pretty mercilessly mm-hmm. meanwhile john travolta uses electroshock therapy and uh frank zapotka from the wire to break out of the supermax prison and uh swim to los angeles uh, <laughs> Then we're going to talk about this. Yeah, uh, yeah. And then he basically like he and Travolta Cage, Cage Travolta and Travolta Cage are like chasing each other down, trying to catch one another. They meet up and have a shootout. And then the movie continues for another 40 minutes. <laughs> so long. Uh, as Cage Travolta convinces Joan Allen, his wife, who we have to, have to talk about, uh, to believe yeah. that he is actually John Travolta by the, with the use of his blood type because his blood is still the same. They've changed everything else, but because it's still his body, still his blood type. He uses the blood type to convince his doctor wife, Joan Allen, that he is Cage Travolta rather uh-huh. than Travolta Cage. And uh, then they... Uh, then, I guess, yeah, Travolta kills his boss uh, and is about to become head of the FBI because I guess he's the number two of the FBI, even though it's based in Los Angeles. It's all very strange. <laughs> and uh, at the funeral... There's a big shootout between Cage and Travolta and Travolta Cage uh, and Joan Allen and a couple other people. Uh, Travolta Cage ditches <laughs> off in a speedboat that has a harpoon gun in it and uh, just just randomly. Uh, Cage Travolta chases after Travolta Cage in a speedboat race. Uh, their speedboats crash, destroy a police boat in the process. He, uh, Cage Travolta, eventually kills Travolta Cage with the harpoon gun yeah. uh, and then gets his face put back on. And that's the movie. That is I guess he movie. also adopts his, uh, Cage's son, who's about the same age as the son that Cage killed at yeah. the beginning. He does get a replacement son. Yeah, exactly a replacement son. And, and that's, 
That's a movie. There's some like light incest mixed in there. Uh, there's a lot of jokes about John Travolta's appearance, which I really appreciate. Oh God, that was my favorite. <laughs> and uh, there's some I wonder if they wrote it in, uh, or if it was like specifically if it was just always jokes that like just kind of land about Travolta uh, at that sort of age and body type. I have uh, I have uh, insight into that one. Okay. So, there's like three that I wrote down. There might be more. Three specific references where it's apparent that the writers just just hate or just love to hate Travolta's face and body. Mm-hmm. So the first one, um, they have uh, they're doing they're about to perform surgery on um, on Travolta to make him look like Nicolas Cage, and they're explaining all the facial reconstruction, and then they say, "Oh, and lipo to get rid of those love handles." Yeah, <laughs> like no one asked for that. No one needed that. You can't even see them because he's wearing a suit the entire time. A '90s they... suit that's like a fucking circus tent. Yeah, you could fit a couple other Travoltas in that suit, but they still had to get that one in there. And then later, Travolta references himself when he. When he is secretly Nicolas Cage operating in a Travolta body, he says, like, this nose, this hair, this ridiculous chin. This ridiculous chin? <laughs> yeah. So good. And uh, later on, he says, I don't know which I hate wearing worse, your face or your body. So, like, a lot of references to it all just being bad news. And apparently, in the trivia, I saw that John Travolta specifically asked the writers, like, if they wrote that joke because they had a problem with his chin. <laughs> <laughs> and instead of being like, we thought it would be funny, let's hate on your, like, ha ha ha, they actually, like, covered and said something like, oh, well, it makes sense that the character uh, of Nicolas Cage's character is a narcissist, so he would hate anyone's body that he was in. Oh, that's which, so much worse. Which is so much so sadder. Much worse. Oh, <laughs> they boy. Felt, they felt bad, and they didn't want him to know that he, so he, like, wasn't in on the joke. I mean, I hope they helped write it. I hope that he was like, and let's get a little jab in there. But like, no, Travolta, no. That is a bummer. Uh, Travolta also, like, is on the high end of like actors whose attractiveness dropped off precipitously and quickly. Oof, yeah. Like Travolta in the seventies was like a fucking diamond. I know. And Travolta in the early nineties, not long after is like is clumpy coal and it just like it's really weird how much he just sort of widened and sh- his shape shifted he he really like expanded along the x axis in a way mm-hmm. that made him like not castable as a lead star pretty much after 1999 it and it did somehow change his chin which doesn't seem like you should be able to do on a human body but it did <laughs> His it's chi- true. When they say the line, this ridiculous chin, I was like, you know what? Yeah. Because yeah. like is that, kind of ridiculous chin. Like Grease and Saturday Night Fever, it's just like a little dimply, like a little dimple chin. And then later it becomes like a wide, large and in charge butt chin that mm-hmm. cannot be ignored. Mm-hmm. I like uh, that. So while we're talking about the, the physicality of the actors in this movie, uh, a thing that I wrote down several times. Curious your take on this. Is is Nicolas Cage attractive in this in this movie? Cause I Yeah. I, th- I think he is. I was having a problem with that. I think maybe because we just watched a recent Cage film and I'm more familiar with his present um right. like you know his 
physically. Yeah, his his lumpy skeletal face. Yeah, he's got a lot of extra bumps and lumps, but seeing like a young sort of live like <laughs> life is exactly the word i had too he's <laughs> yeah. nubile yeah he's like young he's kind of like in shape and he's got like a tight face like it's tight yeah. on his, his skin's tight and ang- he has angles it's it makes me remember why people would have wanted to cast him back in like the 80s and 90s because he was i think a little bit attractive yeah he, I have a hard I time first, saying it, but I do think you're right. I first wrote it down when he had the mustache. It was like, is... and oh, when yeah. the Like, him with a mustache, even with that absurd, like, fucking Porn black comb stash. on his face, <laughs> like, <clears throat> Nicolas Cage is sort of pulling it off. He was kind of pulling it off. And I don't know if I've lost perspective because of the amount of recent Cage I've ingested in the last few years, but I sort of agree with you. I mean, um, m- most of us change as we age, right? Like, only Helen yeah. Mirren and a variety of the vampires, like, yeah. sort of just stay at operating at a high level physically from beginning to end. Exactly. Uh, but Cage, yeah, I mean, young Cage sort of had it going on. Yeah, it's weird. And I don't remember how... he in, Are he and Travolta peers at that point, or is he much younger? I can't tell, like, in real I'm, life. In real, he certainly looks a lot younger. Yeah, he does. Uh, I, but I can't tell if that's the the various wiles of the world hadn't had their way with him yet in the yeah. way that they were about to. Uh, <laughs> very, very about to. Or, or if yeah, he was just like a younger man. But he'd been acting for a long time. He hadn't been acting for long as Travolta, right? Because like when was Moonstruck? Moonstruck was like early eighties. Early, yeah, earlyish eighties, I guess. And like, but like, you know, the Grease and Saturday Night Fever weren't, they were like late 70s, I think, early 80s. So maybe they yeah, Travolta just came peers. first. Well, and like, wait, Welcome Back Cotter was that, that was pre Saturday Night Fever. Right? Yeah. So that was really Travolta's early. been in the game for like a long, long time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, okay. While we're talking about the body swap, um, those two bodies are extremely different. They are. And they don't really make an effort to like, explain away how one actor is clearly quite thin and <laughs> and the other has a box body mm-hmm. like a lego mm-hmm. body <laughs> <laughs> also i had to look this up how, which of those actors do you think is taller in real life uh i would assume nicholas cage yeah but he isn't though he's two inches shorter which is fucking huh. bananas so that just means that that is how much wider john travolta is <laughs> <laughs> despite his height it still can't make up for the fact that he's just like built like a little building lego shaped is exactly right he is absolutely <laughs> you could swap out his head for another head which they do in the movie <laughs> they definitely do <laughs> oh he's a lego man all the way so, God, there's so many there's so many things to discuss. Uh, we could start. We, we, we could just start with the very first scene and the fact great. that the fucking action. This movie does not fuck around when it comes no, to action. From the jump, not just the action, also the like all of the accoutrements of action. It's got operatic singing from the jump. Yes, it's instantly. got that like fucking duel of the fates opera going on. 
in the very first moment as Nicolas Cage puts a fucking silencer on a sniper rifle to shoot a child on a carousel. <laughs> yeah. So the first scene, I assume that if anyone's listening to this that hasn't seen uh, Face Off, none of this is even going to make sense. And most people have probably seen Face Off. But like, for the sake of going through it, uh, it does start out with Nicolas Cage trying to assassinate. Assassinate's not the right word. Um, trying to snipe. Murder. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I always <laughs> he's trying to yeah he's trying to assassinate um, John Travolta and he in in the process does not kill John Travolta but does kill his like five year old son. It's like instantly slow motion, crazy like almost black and white effects of a carousel moving around, opera singing. I I cannot stress enough. This happens in the first like thirty to sixty seconds of the credits. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm instantly we're in the movie and like it doesn't let up from there like there isn't really any lag this movie is way too long but it doesn't it doesn't ever stop going yeah it doesn't need most of what's in it but it makes the most of everything that's like it is there it's like there are no wasted minutes and they're all wasted minutes and yet it still lands uh because yeah i mean from the jump it is High action, high stakes. It does not make a ton of sense that the moment that Nicolas Cage chose to kill John Travolta was just like in the middle of a park. He's not hidden, by the way. He's just a giant mustache man with a sniper rifle on a grassy hill near a carousel. Like pretty close. Pretty close to carousel. He almost at this point should have just walked up and shot him point blank for all the hiding that he's accomplishing. He's not like up in a tower somewhere. He's like within, I think, throwing distance. Like... He's on a. He's in the middle of a hill. Like the sight lines are very. He is more exposed than Travolta is. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> oh man, yeah. So it, it's pretty instant. And then, oh yeah. So we're we're like into an action sequence immediately. Because then, following that whole deal, they pretty quickly get us into the next one, which is how they uh, apprehend Nicolas Cage, um, Caster Troy. How they apprehend Caster Troy mm-hmm. and how he becomes unconscious. Which I started writing down all the types of chases. And oh, there's got there's so many. Man versus man, vehicle versus plane, helicopter versus plane, helicopter versus man, boat versus boat. <laughs> Surprisingly, I don't believe there was a car vehicle versus vehicle. No, I think you're right. <laughs> the That'd most common type of chase, completely absent in this movie, but they did do practical effects and actually explode a plane and actually explode a boat, which is pretty awesome. They, yeah, and also, so the there's the, all these like little things in uh, these little Easter eggs around the Nicolas Cage character. Uh, so when he's putting the bombs into the LA Convention Center and he's punching in the codes to the bombs, the numbers light up as little flames. Oh, right, yeah. <laughs> Which is like, is completely unnecessary, but a nice touch. It's not how computers work. It's also <laughs> during that period of time where like, because nobody knew how computers work, they're just like, we can do whatever we want. And the audience would just buy it that if you're an evil guy, yeah. your numbers light up as flames. Coding also, was just kind of like yeah. a ah, something, something, something Nintendo graphic. Mm-hmm, and that mm-hmm. was fine. When they uh, disarm the bomb, it's a, a buxom cartoon lady jumping up and down with her boobies all over the place. Right, who's appears. not present as he's plugging it in. Like, she's <laughs> just... 
She's just part of the deus ex machina of the thing. Yeah. Uh, Cage, this is like some highlights mixed in here. So after Cage puts the uh, the bomb into the convention center, he's dressed as a priest, and he walks out, and the choir is singing Handel's Messiah. And he does a bunch of gross skeezy shit that we, could, we can talk about sort of now or later. Yeah. But before that, he does this head banging in <laughs> front of the choir. Yes. And... I love it. I like, love it. It's the first moment that I'm like, oh, they're just going to let him do whatever Ever he wants, wants this entire movie. And, I mean, it's just like seeing a child on his birthday in the middle of a fucking carnival. <laughs> like, he is, he is loving it in a way that I will never love anything. That's true. I know. It's, it's really just like they let him out of the gates, and he just he uh-huh. took off running and never quit. And the entire time, they're just like... They yes and did Nicolas Cage so hard that mm-hmm. it made the entire movie perfect. Yeah. Which I can I can say almost zero other times when it comes to his insanity. But yeah, they're really up in the ante on the insanity with this one. And like he does a crazy headbanging thing. He does several gross things that I Oh yeah. There <laughs> I had a a little like every time there's a highlight, it's a happy face. Every time there is a low light, it's a sad face. And the sad faces have a common theme, <laughs> and <laughs> that common theme is his gross horniness and how he chooses to express it. Yes, yeah, his his euphemisms for sex. Well, there's really just the one. The one. But, but it's it's very bad and very vivid. Graphic. <laughs> really graphic <laughs> and like so what was I say so he talks it's first exposed and this is a fairly famous Nicolas Cage line of I could eat a peach for hours yeah. you know I can uh, eat a peach for hours <sighs> talking to a woman after he's called her a peach mm-hmm. and and it, he brings it up a couple of other times throughout the movie I guess as John Travolta but talks about a peach as yeah refers and to like, his wife as a peach etc and it's, it had not occurred to me how disgusting and vivid that is, but it is, re- I mean, it's like, it is really graphic without having to be graphic at all. Like, it's that very is effective because gr- he could have said something more explicit that would have offended me less. Uh-huh, uh-huh. It made me do the mental, like, leap, and that made me mad at myself. Right, it made you picture it. And... <laughs> It's like it's a it's a reasonable thing to write a disgusting character as disgusting, but there was a moment in that was like a person had that thought independently and then wrote it down. Two people and, wrote this movie, so then, so <laughs> maybe they had it. Maybe it was a hundredth monkey where they both had it simultaneously. <laughs> yeah, somebody's to blame. Uh, uh, he also and, says, um, which is really really quick because this is another recurring thing. He has a uh, flight attendant sit on his lap and. Uh, he says the thing about eating a peach for hours, which is psychically unpleasant. And then he says, if I were to send you flowers, let me rephrase. If I were to let you suck my tongue, would you be grateful? And then he sticks out his tongue and she sucks on it. It happens in real life. And then they never stop referencing tongue sucking for the entire movie. And I just have to wonder, like, where did that idea come from? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Who and how and how many years of therapy and oh, oh sorry so gross 
Yeah. I I feel like there's something there's something to be done with Nicolas Cage in this movie and Timothy Chalamet in Call Me By Your Name oh. together <laughs> with like a weird peach like a fetish s- mashup. Supercut. Uh, yeah. Uh it's not a lot, but it's enough, I think. It's there. Uh yeah, the yeah, that uh that character the woman that sucks his tongue is an undercover fbi agent and man what a unpleasant set of things to have happen to you in a movie you basically you get sexually harassed by nicholas cage you suck on nicholas cage's cage's tongue and then you're shot and thrown out of an airplane and yep. that's your that's your life that those are the last 20 minutes of your life and also that's your acting reel that yes like. yes that is Millions and millions of people saw you do that and maybe nothing after that. If you never made it after that movie, there was a reason. It was because the last three memorable things that you did happened in quick succession and were those things. Uh, Um, Quick highlight. After he throws her out of the plane, he looks, he like kind of sticks his head out of the plane and like makes eye contact with John Travolta and does a Uh little who me with his shoulders. (laughs) And it just got me. <laughs> He's marvelous in this movie. Like it's it's not an Oscar-worthy performance, but I think if they'd let him just be Caster Troy the entire time, it maybe would have been an Oscar-worthy performance because yeah. him as him as John Travolta is like almost too boring. And it's bad acting and it's creepy. I don't know. Yeah, that but creepy not in the right way. It's just sort of like simpering I think would be the best way. yeah He's yeah a lot of like furrowed eyebrows and like ooh, I'm making myself small and puny and that's hard to watch in a right it's, way. it's it's meek it's like you know you're sort of the, all of the Nicolas Cage's cast Troy you get in the beginning and you do get some good some good like sort of schizoid screaming from yeah. him yeah. uh as John Travolta but yeah if you'd gotten a whole movie like I'd watch a spin-off I'd give a nomination to a spin-off of just that age, Nicolas Cage, yep. being Caster Troy for two and a half hours. Like, I'd, I'd do it. I know. Yeah, this movie... What's weird is this was shot at the same time as Con Air. What? Pl- yeah, the same year, same time. It came out, like, a few weeks apart, I think. So, like... What? He was simultaneously filming these at one point. They overlapped at a certain point. Where they look nothing alike. That Like, his body's really different. Yeah, I think because in Con Air, they're all about showing off his buff body. And I guess they just covered it up more in this one. And they had him wearing that gross wig where he's got the Mm -hmm. long hair in Con Air. I have to imagine that they just, it's a lot of wig work. And a lot of of covering up of things, which, oh man. Speaking of wigs, the scene where they do the surgery... And they show all the modifications and the morphing, like watching one face morph into another uh-huh. face. They do the hair transplant portion, and you just watch the you just watch the hairline go like the running for the hills. Back. back, 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 back. And I just kept thinking, like, you know, they should actually do this morphing now. Like Nicolas Cage, they put him in a lot of wigs for a lot of roles, uh-huh. as if we forgot that <laughs> even at peak youth Nicolas Cage, his hairline was like halfway out of his, like mm-hmm. halfway down his skull. Yeah, he's got widow's peaks that you, you would kill if you fell off of them. Like yes. they're... In the 90s. Very so like, steep. It, it's offensive to me that they are putting him in these national treasure wigs like I didn't see Con Air, like I didn't <laughs> see Face Off. I did my research, sir. <laughs> uh, 
there's a couple things at the end of that uh, plane chase that I really liked. One is it's the first time you get the like fireworks of things exploding that aren't flammable. Yeah. Like it's like the plane crashes through just glass and the glass explodes in fireworks, which is yeah. great. And then, and most of the time, the action in this movie is fucking on point, and it knows what it's doing, and it's well executed. I'm pretty sure that there's a moment when Nicolas Cage shoots a guy with a shotgun in the hangar, and that guy goes flying, and I'm almost positive I saw the stunt rope in the shot. It was no like, way. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I, maybe my mind just created it there, but he goes back in like such a tugged up motion. I'm pretty certain I saw like just a, a wire, not even wire, like a cable back. It's just, yeah, somebody just tugging. <laughs> you just see a guy. Like Spider-Man, turn off the lever. dark, just fucking oh, yeah. gone. Uh, oh yeah, there's showers of sparks. That's another mainstay of this movie. In almost time. every action scene, even if all it is is some friendly fire, there's just showers of sparks everywhere. And it's a highlight for me, don't get me wrong, but yeah. they just, they don't let up. So should we just do highlights? Because I feel like we're, I have so many highlights for this movie. It's mostly One, highlights. It's, pretty good. it's mostly highlights. There's some low lights there, mostly Nicolas Cage being gross. Uh, I have a lot of questions. I have a lot of highlights. Yeah. And I feel like we might not get to them all if we don't like jump in on the highlights. Just bang through them. Okay. Yeah. Let's, yeah, hit me with some highlights. Uh, so there's two that happen like right after the, the chase. After like uh, they, they've caught Nicolas Cage. John Travolta's the a hero, like actual John Travolta's a hero. And he walks in and they're applauding him. And it's just an extra. But there's like a schlubby dude who bites his upper lip and gives a thumbs up. And I fucking <laughs> love him. It's like the most perfectly 90s moment. Yeah. Like and, you needed to almost freeze frame on that guy for a second. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then roll the credits. Yeah. Uh, and then Travolta as a way of like, oh, I'm, I'm humble. And I, he dissembles and like lists a bunch of dead characters' names. I think the Pinkus? last one. Pinkus. Pinkus. <laughs> Poor little Pinkus. <laughs> and somebody wrote the name Pinkus as a thing to go in a, like a serious moment in the movie. They're like, oh, and, everyone, including Anderson, Winters, Pinkus. Right. Schlemmergefeld. Like, where are you coming up with the name Pinkus in the mix of those? Do you remember uh, that from Seinfeld? Yeah, uh, of course. Poor little Pinkus. That is, like, that must have come first, right? And so, like, maybe that was just in their heads. It's the only time that that name has ever come up in my mind. So I wrote that down as a highlight as well. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I've got a lot. I'll, I'll, I'll trade off to you and then I'm happy to uh, ping pong. Give me some more. Give me some more. Okay, so... After the face-off surgery, we should talk about the face-off surgery because it's so buck wild. It's buck uh, wild. It, it is, I mean, I don't think I expected it to be quite so, like, visceral as it yeah. was. I yeah. kind of expect it to be more along the lines of, because they're showing the, like, ear reconstructive surgery. And yeah. it's like a, a, a 3D printer. It's like all just lasers. You watch lasers was, create matter. Yeah, which, you know, <laughs> is how it works. Uh, I was expecting that on the faces, but no, they just cut the face and tear. And like, they do a whole thing of like, we're going to shape, we have your face bones. We're going to put his face on top of it, but that's not what they do. They just pull the faces off and swap them and then like pull them on and just seal them up. Uh, And that's not a highlight. It maybe is a low light. It's certainly a weird light. Yeah. Uh, But anyway, after that's happened, uh, the... uh, (laughs) Uh, Nicholas Cage, uh, you know, George Volta wakes up as Nicholas Cage and he sees himself in the mirror and in a like great, perfect Nicholas Cage yes. moment. 
Fuck you! Fuck you! Fuck you! John! John! John, come He screams, fuck you, fuck, fuck you, you, fuck you, you, to everybody in the room. And it's... It's beautiful. Yeah, it's he's absolutely like beautiful. Pounding on the table, enraged, just like circling the room. It's it's full Nick Cage crazy, and he he honestly nails it. He nails it. Yeah. Yeah. I, the and then I'll give my last one before we go to the prison because uh, there's a lot going on in the prison. Yeah. But uh, he he's nervous getting on the plane to go to the prison, and his face itches. And Robert Wisdom. Uh, an actor playing sort of his like second in command, mm-hmm. uh, who's Bunny Colvin from The Wire, is oh. the. Uh, he stops and he gingerly massages his Nicholas's <laughs> face, and it's this like totally out of place, beautiful, tender moment between two men. Uh, yeah. It's it's so sweet <laughs> and tender. Uh, it's it's darling. It it makes no sense in the movie. It shouldn't be in there, but it's beautiful. There's funny little things like that where they just kind of played around and they're like, the tone of this movie is nonstop action, but the tone is also, let's just confuse everyone mm-hmm. for a hot second. Mm-hmm. There's these little nods. Um, there, There's a line when they are uh, thinking about doing the facial reconstru- or swap surgery where John Travolta's character, uh, what is it, Sean Archer, mm-hmm. is talking about is like considering doing it and he goes this doctor can even do half of what he says he can do and then he kind of he just like there's an ellipses and that's supposed to instill confidence but all it made me think about is that he would be happy with only 50 (laughs) percent success which is either half the features it's elephant man i mean it's elephant man is what you get or it's all of the features but only 50% of the way Half there. Which is it's like a loosey-goosey or like your body's actively rejecting it kind of. Like um, like Tobias's hair plugs mm-hmm. on Arrested Development. I just don't know. And that made me really happy. Like, I did, no, it's all or nothing. Half is definitely unacceptable. But, but maybe it isn't. I, yeah, I guess. Uh, the facial suction sound when they just pop his oh, face off. It's deeply unpleasant. <laughs> it's cartoony. It is. A lot this movie does kind of have some like Tex Avery shit going on in it. Uh, yeah. so the do you have highlights before we get to the prison? Um uh, only a couple, but one yeah, the pinkest one for sure. Mm-hmm. Um the enraged Travolta acting. There's also like a, a line that Nicolas Cage delivers where he's like, I'm about to unleash the big biblical plague that hell a reserves. And I, hell a deserves. And I always love when people make little puns on LA, like uh-huh. smell a or Holly weird or hell a. It's a really 90s thing that hasn't come back. And I think we, we deserve more of that. Mm-hmm. All right. So to the prison. So I think we'll actually have to start with a low light in the prison. Uh, because when... Uh, <laughs> Like, the thing starts with Nicolas Cage getting in a fight with Frank Zapotka from The Wire, who's maybe a Russian character, but whose name is, like, Druthers or something. Uh, it like doesn't, Dubrov or some du- weird... Yeah, Duval. Yeah. But, like, yeah. it's not, not... It doesn't match his accent. Mm-mm. But he says... Uh, and this, is like, this is a low light, but it's important. He says, you want to know what waste looks like, little man? And then all of the, like, hardened criminals in the Supermax prison go, ooh. <laughs> Like little kids. Like they just saw like a a kiss on screen and they're all eight years old. (laughs) 
Or, or like somebody gave somebody else a wet willy on the playground. Uh, ooh. ooh. <laughs> uh, but then shortly thereafter, uh, Nicolas Cage actually gets in a fight, and Tom Jane is in this movie. And uh, there's a moment where he claps like Brendan Fraser from uh, that, that scene in the Golden Globes. And... It's, and he's the only one clapping. He's the only one clapping. It's it's so weird. They and silence every other clap in the in the scene. It's a slow motion shot of all of the prisoners, and they just highlight one man's clap, a solo clap. Yeah, it's a choice. Like, that that ha- like that's hours of filmmaking to get Tom Jane to clap weird. Like, some of the things when I think about making this movie, it makes me both happy and very sad. It's really funny because, like, normally when we have these types of movies, it's kind of a no-name director who was just given an insane script or uh, exercised an insane script from Mm -hmm. his body. Mm -hmm. Um, But in this case, it's John Woo. And so he had so many resources at his disposal and people were pretty down to be in this movie. So I feel like he got to jump and everyone just said how high. And it's like, it's a rare treat. Yeah. People are used, um, like a lot of superfluous star power. Yeah, (laughs) I would agree. Uh, Joan Allen, uh, more than almost anybody like, yeah, is maybe she wasn't quite at the height of her, like sort of Hollywood dramatic heavy hitter. Status? Maybe. If not, she was like right on the cusp. Real close. And then, yeah, just a lot of like, a lot of people that are really recognizable, if not by name, then definitely on site. And you just, just a smattering of action genre actors. Right. And character actors that would like blow up 10 years later. Yeah, exactly. Although literally blow up in the movie in most cases. <laughs> and they all are going to literally blow up in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, the prison. Okay, so the prison is... The, I forget the name for it. It's nowhere spelled backwards. So it's like, oh, really? Juan. Yeah, I like, <laughs> looked it up later. Um, but it's like a floating, it's basically like a barge or like a. Like, like an oil a, derrick? Yeah, like, like. yeah, exactly. Um, like a big boat full of prisoners. They've activated this magnetic field, and every prisoner is equipped with these magnetic boots so that they have to like remain tethered to the ground. Sometimes, and then sometimes uh-huh. a prison fight breaks out, and it doesn't stop them from kicking, <laughs> jumping all over each other, and throwing each other across the room. Uh-huh. So just willy nilly. Heavy boots most of the time, but it seems like they can very much adjust the heaviness yeah. of the boots from the command tower, or I guess just from the like dude from the Drew Carey show, uh, all is like that alternating. Who that is? I, I mean, he's in all kinds of stuff. He's uh, Francis McDormand's husband in Fargo. He's yes. like working character actor's character actor. I think he, I think he plays Drew Carey's brother in the Drew Carey Show. I know I, him from so much stuff, and I was yeah. trying to figure out what other stuff. He's not Buffalo Bill, is he? No, that's a different. No, guy. no, no, no. That's the deep voice man. I'm thinking of him. I thought he played a serial killer in something. But he does Zodiac. That is what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. he's he's a. Uh, you know, pretty prominent character actor. He apparently likes watching prison fights because he just stands idly by and doesn't do anything until, mm-hmm. like, Nicolas Cage gets very involved and people are getting really hurt and Nicolas Cage almost kills somebody but doesn't and then he pulls the plug on the fight. And then he just, he says, I decide when the fight stops as though he ex- like he wanted Nicolas Cage to kill that guy with a, a fucking dining tray. 
Yeah, because they make it very clear they're like uh, the Geneva codes. The Geneva Convention doesn't apply here, so it's like a international waters, I guess. Like international waters. The location of it is vexing because yeah. First he gets so there's like there's a prison break which uh, has is like one highlight that's worth talking about, but like he breaks out and like you know he gets out and. It's the first reveal of where it is, and it's an oil rig in the middle of nowhere, and there's a, yeah. a helicopter outside it. And then the camera swerves, and they don't show this directly, but, like, there's a coastline with population, like, a half mile away? It's, less? like, off the coast of, like, is it, like, next to Catalina Island yeah, or something? It's, definitely like like... This, it's clearly within swimming distance because uh-huh. he doesn't perish in the middle of the Pacific. He just, within that day, he's on shore and, like, committing more... Not crimes, because he's secretly the good guy. But he's back in action, like, hours later. I think they are technically crimes he's committing. I mean, he steals a car. That's true. Uh, yeah. That prison. I also have to wonder, like, how do guns work when you have a giant magnetic field keeping all the prisoners in check? That yeah, you'd be... think that would have an impact. But he's able to throw a can of sulfuric acid in the air and shoot it and create a sulfuric acid explosion, which yeah. is just like a great action movie move that I so wish was fun. used more often. Yep. They're also, in this movie, this movie has, I tried to write it down, this movie has every type of gun. It has mm-hmm. every gun. It mm-hmm. has machine guns. It has pistols. It has sniper rifles. It has, um, it has a harpoon gun. It has a shotgun. I'm probably forgetting many it, of the guns. It has, well, it has handguns that shoot, like, automatic weapons. Um, yeah. It has, like, a Tommy gun kind of thing. Well, I mean, there's something that's just, like, cl- it's clearly just, like, a Beretta or something. It's, like, a handgun, but the sound effect is a Like, yeah. Just, it's not a thing that exists in the world, but, like, it's important for this movie somehow. There's, a, uh, there's so many types of guns, so many types of explosions, and then just the showers of sparks everywhere mm-hmm. apropos of nothing mm-hmm. that, like, I mean, it's ridiculous, but it also gets me fired up. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. It's really fun. Uh, so, do you have anything else from the prison? Trying to think. Oh, yeah, there's another highlight where they, they cut to Castor Troy's brother. They have him um, in, like, an interrogation chamber, and they're trying to get him to reveal details about, I guess, the bomb. And he, he just looks over towards whoever is about to interrogate him and does a little pinky wave, just a <laughs> pinky. That was pretty funny. And then they also say something about how um, they can't get anything, any useful information out of him. And it, it's something to the effect of, like, they, we can't get him to talk and say anything except for the kind of mustard he wants on his tongue sandwich. And it's like, wh- what is with this family in tongues? Uh-huh. It's a oh, tongue yeah. centric family. <laughs> Sucking on and consuming tongues. I didn't even think prevalent. about that. So much. So weird. Uh, so weird. So... So Nick Cage breaks, so Nick Cage, John Travolta, breaks out of the Supermax prison, and he swims to Catalina or wherever. I guess, yeah. And then drives to the house of the guy that actual Nicolas Cage, like, bought his weapons from, a bald guy, who's, mm-hmm. uh, who lives with a woman who has a, a kid, uh, who, I was, so she's described at one point as his sister, and then again is his sister. But there's some very sexual kissing that happens between them. Yeah, there's like a Jamie Cersei Lannister situation going on with those two. 
but it's like it's never acknowledged by the movie. Like they just decided to sort of forget that they were brother and sister for a while uh, and then return it. Although that guy is a like there is some he says this one of the skeeziest things I've ever heard, which John Travolta, Nick Cage was looking sad. And he says, what's the matter? You look like you just fucked your mother. And I was like, what, bald man? Why do you? What? There are so many other things to think when a person looks sad. That's not where anybody's <laughs> brain goes. Oh my god. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. He he really unhinges himself. Like a lot of people get to be pretty unhinged. The the sibling kiss definitely ups the ante on the insanity. Um, yeah, and then and then the moment where we are. It is established that we will be watching Travolta do a Nick Cage impression for the rest of the movie. Uh, it's just, it's beautiful. It is. Because it's twice the cage. It's, I mean, it's like, it's hard to overstate how much more likable John Travolta is as an actor when he's impersonating Nicolas Cage. Yes. Like, you're not supposed to root for John Travolta as Nicolas Cage in this movie. He is clearly the villain. He's doing very bad things. Yeah. But, like, the other characters also seem to like him more. And I get it. Because he's much more fun than John Travolta as John Travolta, either yeah. as an actor, as the character. It doesn't really matter. John Travolta being Nicolas Cage is way cooler. It's so much better. And he's like, um, yeah, I mean, he clearly like studied a lot of Nicolas Cage's weird inflection and like crazy ways that he chooses to say words and, and space them out. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it shows. Mm-hmm. He actually did some research for this one, and it shows. He yeah. also says a pretty unpleasant line, which is a low light. The first time he encounters Joan Allen, which is, give me that tongue. I hate to see you go, but I love to watch you leave. Uh-huh. And, like, it's a low light because, obviously, but also it's a low light because Joan Allen is, like, operating on another planet for most of this movie. She just kind of takes that, like, at face value and is like, hi, I gotta go to work. Yeah, all right, all right. Let's talk about... The permiss, the laissez-faire attitude of the Joan Allen character, because she is chill with so many things. Too much. Like from the jump, it's it strikes me as implausible that Mm -hmm. you would stay married to the guy that gets your son, your baby son killed. That's the first thing, and then she's like much nicer to him she's like you shouldn't feel so bad about this like no no maybe maybe you should then like the minute that john travolta that nicholas cage convinces her that he's john travolta she's like on board basically instantly there are no questions no questions she has no follow-up questions except to later do a blood test but that is more like to confirm what she already knew which is that yeah face swaps are real and this is a perfect example of one and i guess this is my real husband and i'm not bothered by this and there we have no new trust issues like you're just nicholas cage fine she, and, there's like one throwaway line where she says, you let me spend a week with that man as my husband. And he's like, yeah, and I'm sorry about that. And that's it. That's it. Yeah. And she's just chill. And then he brings home a new child to raise at the end. And she's just fine with it. Totes cool with that. Yeah. There's like this, a lot of stuff. Like, this is a replacement son from the son I killed. So... 
there are some indications to me that, like, despite the fact that we're supposed to be rooting for John Travolta's character, the, the Sean Archer character, that he is not a good guy. The fact that he has, like, this weird, strained relationship with his wife and that she seems kind of like a prisoner to just be mm -hmm. fine with whatever. Mm -hmm. But also there's the moment when his teenage daughter is being sexually assaulted in the car by some douche that she went on a date with and Nick Cage playing John Travolta goes down to like regulate on this guy and beat him up and you know kick him to the curb he has like a talk with her after and he says he says a gross thing like uh, dress like it's Halloween and ghouls are gonna try to get in your pants or something which is gross but yeah. sort of appropriate for his gross character but the worst part is afterwards she goes Ugh, dad typical dad I almost get raped and you blame me and it's like, that, though, isn't about that be typical. Cage. That is typical of her actual father from before. And that's so much worse. So there's an extra layer here to that scene. It's a very satisfying scene. Nicolas Cage as John Travolta, or John Travolta as Nicolas Cage beating up that actor. Do you yeah. recognize that actor? No. So that's Danny Masterson, I'm pretty sure. Was it? I'm, no, I'm almost positive. I'm almost positive it's Danny Masterson. It looked Masterson. like him. Yeah. yeah, I didn't uh, catch it that that was his face because they don't show his face too much, but that's epic. He's a very distinctive face and like, mm -hmm. especially distinctive hair. And yeah. like, this is, this had to be before he would have assembled a reputation uh, for all of the despicable shit that he did. Mm -hmm. uh, but like, that's, it's a real like early manifestation of that. Like... I mean, maybe he was in the movie because he and John Travolta were going to the same Scientology church. Who knows? Oh, shit. He's a big Actually, maybe, yes. Right. He's a huge Scientologist. Yeah. Yeah, super weird. But yeah, no, that is a different... That's an interesting wrinkle because that scene is already like... You're supposed to read it as just like despicable. But then it has this kind of like weird second layer of like, how is Nicolas Cage the good guy yeah he's just kind of chill uh and and john travolta's backstory and the fact that his daughter feels unsafe with him around makes him all the time like he was a bad guy pretty gross yeah gross. no confirmed that is danny masterson uh and nice catch yeah uh that's that is a pretty fitting and like satisfying thing to watch uh so the let's talk about that gunfight at the the incest house uh oh yeah yeah the really long one where we thought the movie was over but it's not yeah because it's clearly the it's clearly the last act of the movie that is actually the middle of the movie yeah. and uh the choice to have it set to a weird recording of somewhere over the rainbow as played on a child's wireless headphones yep. is like is genuinely kind of brilliant like it's I agree. It's some of the more masterful filmmaking in this movie. Uh, I have a fact about that, too. Please. Okay. So that is all John Woo, and he paid for that scene out of pocket. What? Because <laughs> he, it wasn't in the script, and he was like, I think that this epic like action gunfight scene should happen to the soundtrack of Somewhere Over the Rainbow. So... The shtick he uses is that they pop headphones on this little boy's head so that he doesn't have to hear all the explosions, and then that enables the soundtrack to be, I found out it's an Olivia Newton-John recording of oh. Somewhere Over the Rainbow. Which is Fitting bizarre. for John Travolta movie. Exactly. And then 
Uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of degrees of John Travolta separation in this movie. Yeah. But anyway, he originally wanted that in, and Paramount refused to pay for it. So he paid out of pocket, and then this movie did so well that they reimbursed him for it after. Oh they God. were like, good choice. Here's your money back. It's a bold it filmmaking a choice. choice. It was uh, like one of the few moments when this movie it teeters on being artful. Yeah. You and. Know? And then it goes slaps right back because as incest bald boy is uh, is having his house shot up, he stops in the middle of the action and says, "Damn, my place is getting fucked up," and it's like <laughs> this weird wink at the camera of like, "I'm aware I'm in a movie. You're aware I'm in a movie, yeah. and we're just going to acknowledge this together in a fun little time." Yeah. Uh, truly oh, strange. And that and that uh, that scene. I believe it starts with um, Nicolas Cage's, like, meeting... I guess maybe this is a little bit earlier in the movie, but he basically is, like, interacting with that bald guy. Is that Nick Nick Cassavetes? And they're, like, doing drugs together, etc. And he says... He excuses himself and says he has Mm -hmm. to go to the little boy's wee-wee room. Which feels... It feels like a Nicolas Cage choice, but I can't prove that it was. It feels like an ad-lib. Yep. Yeah. (laughs) Highlight for sure. Yeah. Uh... A low light is shortly after that, uh, John Travolta's like, Nicholas Cage has John Travolta's being celebrated. He's, they, they first say that he's on the cover of Time. Like his, uh, his secretary tells him on the cover of Time. And then his boss, who I guess is the head of the FBI, comes in and says, I don't give a damn if you were Time's man of the year. Uh, which is different than being on the cover of Time. Also, they, yeah, they would have rewarded the- that very quickly. And also there's, uh, I kind of think the actor did the line read wrong because there's a way to read that, which is like, I don't give a damn if you were Time's Man of the Year. As in, like, I don't care you're on the cover of Time. I wouldn't care if you're Man of the Year. But he decides to interpret it as though being on the cover of Time means he's Time's Man of the Year. And nobody <laughs> corrected him in that line read. And it's like this movie's attention to detail and then complete lack of fucking... Or or that is... Yeah. Ha- or that's part of or the story, just, which is... It, fucking bananas right or in this world where the fbi is based on the west coast of the united states and yeah it's like langley virginia or something uh i think langley is the cia CIA? but the fbi is based in dc dc Uh, or like somewhere in virginia uh but like no i mean it's definitely like the head of the fbi and i guess the number two in charge of the fbi who's like actively chasing down terrorists by himself uh, is based in Los Angeles, uh, and There's Time Awards 90s. Man of the Year for whoever did like the a, most recent cool thing. Totally, I feel like a lot of '90s movies assumed that because um, LA was like the, the the international hub of cinema and the entertainment industry, that it was the hub for everything else as well. Uh-huh. I'm looking at movies like Point Break, where it's like, okay, yeah, undercover agents, etc., but like these types of things aren't as high profile as you make them out in the movie because there's FBI agents everywhere. But in like the context of these nineties movies, it is like he's the penultimate action hero because he lives mm-hmm. in LA and he's mm-hmm. chased down a bad guy. <laughs> so weird. I love it. Also Margaret chose in this movie. And in a basically dramatic role. Yeah. She basically gets like a couple of little throwaway lines. And I feel like that must've just been like, like the director just, knew her or wanted her in the movie because she doesn't that's not her type of character ever and she's just in it playing like a a detective yeah uh so 
I have a couple more highlights. Yes. Uh, and they're both they're both action oriented. So after the uh, basically, I guess when the uh, head of the FBI says, "I don't care that your time is man of the year," uh, he then kills him. And then there's a shootout at his funeral with all the doves, among other things. Classic doves. But it also features Joan Allen hitting John Travolta with a chair. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, it's not the most out, like the most outlandish at, uh, action that you get in this movie, but is I think the most satisfying single moment in this movie for me, because Joan Allen's doing nothing in this entire movie. And it's not like it took a lot of acting to hit John Travolta with a chair, but I just feel like it was probably a fun and satisfying thing for her to do. Yeah. They let and her do something besides be sort of a, a milk toast, like borderline catatonic wife. Yeah. So it's nice. Uh, and then there's a thing from the chase that I want to talk about, the, the speedboat chase, but uh, I don't want to get ahead of us either. Oh, before we get to that, there's two things. One, okay, a couple of things. First of all, the SWAT team infiltrates that scene in the most irresponsible way possible, <laughs> which is that Nicolas Cage and his ex-girlfriend from the before times is interacting with his son, who he's meeting for the very first time. And mm-hmm. he kind of creeps the son out by saying, Michael, 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 because he's actually John Travolta and he's thinking about his dead son. But that aside, so like Nick Cage's or John Travolta and Cage's body, anyway, his back is to this entire SWAT team. And what they're looking at through a window is this woman and a five-year-old boy, and they open machine gun fire, fire, just sweeping the window, basically Mm -hmm. like, we've got a clear shot, we could snipe this man in the back, but you know what seems more appropriate? Murdering a five-year-old right now. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. With a million bullets right to the face. Um, And the fact that he, that kid looks like he can't register any amount of like terror or emotion because every time they cut to him, he's like dead behind the eyes, face slack, just staring off into the distance. Like, oh God, is the actor he's got okay? A, he's got a Jake Lloyd level of like just plastic body, plastic yeah. face. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think about 90s action movies is that they got the level of irresponsibility about the run-of-the-mill police officer in a way that, like, the culture hadn't adopted yet. That's and the true. movies, <laughs> in like, the text of the movies also doesn't acknowledge that. But all yeah. of the subtext of the movies is, like, basically, police are grossly irresponsible, brutally violent, just for the fun of it, people. And that was way ahead of its time, culturally. Yeah, that's a good point. Because you're supposed to read this as, here are here's the FBI to save the day. But the reality is, this is a group of, like, terrorists about to murder a kid. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Without um, a care in the world. No, oh yeah. And it's like, with zero remorse, it's never addressed later, of course. Also... There's that awesome mirror face-off scene Mm -hmm. where Nicolas Cage and John Travolta occupying each other's bodies are on either side of a wall. And on each side of a wall is a mirror so that they're staring right at their own face, like looking at their enemy, but also looking at themselves. And it's this funny, like really over the top, like ham-fisted visual metaphor that I just thought was perfect for this film. It's great. Why would you ever put a mirror there? And why in that way? Uh, why, why would you need a two-sided mirror on a wall? On a wall, uh, on a thick wall. On a thick wall, but it's also just like a, a post. <laughs> like, it's just mm-hmm. a pylon. Uh, a but yeah, it is great. It's a, uh, a good little gag. The... Are you cool talking about the speedboats? I only want to talk about the speedboats from now on. Great. <laughs> let's the best let's part move, of this movie. Let's move to speedboats. So, after the shootout, 
uh, after the second shootout, the shootout at the, the funeral uh, mm-hmm. with all the doves. Why there's a bunch of doves in this church, I don't know. Just John Woo collects doves and then puts them in his movies or something. At uh, least four or five of his movies. And I figured out which ones they were. So, like, that's great. just his thing. Doesn't matter because <laughs> no one cares. But enough. Uh, John Travolta, Nick Cage as John Travolta, escapes on a speedboat. And I guess all these speedboats are just, like, left parked with the keys with in the keys ignition. In. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and he goes off. Uh, there are two things that I loved about it specifically, but understanding your level of commitment to the speedboat, I'm going to let you go first. Uh, I, well, one of my favorites is one launches like basically off of like a harbor, like it launches mm -hmm. off of a pier going at like, I don't know, like 50 miles an hour or something just starts out of nowhere and just goes fucking charging off of a solid matter. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's great. Mm Mm-hmm. At one point, uh, so Nicolas Cage, uh, John Travolta as Nicolas Cage, like the good guy, theoretically. Uh, He's chasing John Travolta, Nicolas Cage's John Travolta, uh, and he runs through a police boat on a a small speedboat and destroys the police boat, only damages his speedboat. But then it then does explode as it hits a wall. But in the meantime, he has jumped to John Travolta, Nicolas Cage's speedboat. And there's a moment that he, like, falls off the side but uh, hangs on, it doesn't really matter, on a chain. And there's a moment where he's just ragdolling on the side of this boat. And it is, I could also watch that for two hours and 20 minutes. I could watch the speedboat scene by itself for, like, a comfortable half an hour. mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Which you almost do. You almost do. But, like, the best part is you, there are so many types of chase in this movie but the the ultimate like action moment is you watch a tiny boat crash through a much larger boat, leaving that much larger boat obliterated in an explosion, and the tiny like little speedboat just zips off, proceeds mm-hmm. on its way back in pursuit. Little engine that could. Uh, boat, boat through another boat is a fucking power move. That is a mic drop on this movie. So why do we think that a recreational speedboat hanging out in L.A. Has a harpoon gun just on it. <laughs> like outside of cinematic convenience, that is, in the fiction of this movie, there is just a speedboat owner that keeps a, a harpoon gun on his recreational speedboat in, like, L.A. Harbor. Yeah. With where, the like, keys in. With the keys in. But also, like... What are you gonna harpoon gun in L.A. Harbor? Like, yeah, what's he? Is he trying to spearfish for whales in the yeah, L.A. Is he, Harbor? Is he scuba diving for sharks? Like, a harpoon gun on a speedboat at all is weird. Like, a you don't use those outside is, of water. Yeah, that's something that you would see on a different type of boat. But it's a little boat. It's clearly like a boat that's just meant for doing a bunch of figure eights and blasting butt rock in. That's definitely yeah. not. Yeah, oh, it's yeah. a beer drinking boat. That is a beer drinking boat for sure. Oh, man. Yeah, I didn't even think about the context of why there would be a harpoon gun because this movie desensitized me. I just assumed that there are all types of guns available anywhere <laughs> you look at yep. all times and that that's just how the world works. That's fair. That's fair. <sighs> yeah. Um, you know, I like, I think my favorite part of this viewing experience is like, there are a fair amount of lowlights, but they're all the exact same kind of lowlight. They're all, like, I could eat a peach all day centric moments. And other than mm-hmm. that, 
I just have happy faces all over my notes. I only have like four lowlights and they're all things that Nicolas Cage says. Yeah, uh, it's just like creepy moments with his daughter or creepy moments with a flight attendant. But like those are pretty few and far between. This movie might just be a highlight. Yeah. So uh, do are there more things about the movie before we get into trivia and plot keywords and uh, <laughs> yeah. parental guide, parents guide? Because... There's some stuff we need to talk about here. I mean, I I feel like I've covered most of the things. I did think the blood type thing was pretty funny. And at first, mm-hmm. I didn't understand how that could be possible. And then I remembered, like, well, like, he's what... So John Travolta, Sean Archer's character's O negative. So he's the universal donor. And then mm-hmm. something I didn't know that I, I had to look up is that uh, Nicolas Cage's character is AB positive, which means he's a universal recipient. So some blood donor knowledge for everyone that didn't already know that. It's beautiful didn't. subtext. I love it. Yeah. And it's very symbolic, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. John Travolta's a giver. He gives Nicolas Cage life. is a receiver. He sure is. Uh, he sure is. Yeah, um, I think I, I feel like we've covered all the important plot moments. I'm ready to dive into the the good old trivia and the the plot keywords unless you have more things no no i'm good give me some give me some trivia okay besides the fact that this movie came out the same time as con air oh here we go so nicholas cage he gets his face removed while he's in that coma and he's just left there by himself mm-hmm. oh then, oh right yep and then he wakes up and he's missing a face and he's wandering around and he makes a phone call and he, he doesn't have a face for like a while. He even smokes a cigarette without that without his face on, which is impressive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No lips. Um, but all that happened, like Nicolas Cage to me reads as like a pretty demented guy, like a guy that would be yeah. down with some weird shit. But apparently mm-hmm. he so didn't want to see that disturbing makeup that John Woo had to cover all the reflective surfaces in the room so what? that he would never have to see his gross face. Isn't that surprising? That is surprising. But, like, he's such a weird guy that there's not a ton that would surprise me. True. Uh, but he does seem like the kind of guy that would almost be like, I want to stare into the mirror of my own deformed face for hours before I start a scene just to get in the movie. Just to get in character. That actually, that reminds me of one one other thing in the movie I did want to talk about. Yes. Uh, which is as Nicolas Cage, with John Travolta's heart inside him, is making the case to Joan Allen that he's actually John Travolta, he talks about, uh, he says, they gave me this face, and he hits his face. <laughs> I had this moment of like, the, I just love how much this movie allows Nicolas Cage to do that like mid-moment emotional roller coaster that is yeah. like the, I mean, find somebody that loves you the way that Nicolas Cage loves changing his emotions every oh. 15 seconds and the like hitting himself in the face while smiling and laughing and crying. It's yeah. just such a perfect Cage moment. You get a few of those. Uh, yeah. There's the like the moment when I think he gets in like a fight in the prison and then as the fight's wrapping itself up, he's like yelling staring up at the sky and like screaming and yelling and then also starts crying and then starts smiling and it's just that perfect like cacophony of emotions that you want out of a cage movie yep yep all wrapped up into one like 10 second shot yeah um oh here's a note there's little to no studio input so John Woo just got to do whatever John Woo wanted to do. And they were just like, fucking blank check, here you go. Except for that somewhere over the rainbow scene. For that, you will be held accountable. That. Yeah. 
I like that they actually destroyed a plane and a boat. So they had to do those shots in one and they'd get like a million angles, which is why you see the plane explode like three times. Oh. And you see the, the cop boat explode three times because they like just wanted to use every possible angle of that explosion. I'm sure because it was the most expensive shot in the movie. Yeah, I did wonder about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, huh. Kind of props right. to them for actually doing it, though. Like that, I can't even imagine what that would cost. Yeah, I would imagine that's very expensive. There were like almost uh, no digital effects in this movie, which is... It's all practical? Jesus Christ. It's Even the faces? It's basically all practical. Like, I think probably the faces, but a I'm lot sure of that... I'm sure the faces was, aren't practical. Well, no, but <laughs> I just mean like a lot of that stuff too is like, it looks like makeup department and prop work. Like, this was a different time when you kind of didn't have a lot of the technology to catch up with like your vision. And also I think John right. Woo's whole deal was that he likes to see stuff happen on set so he did it he just like spent his 80 million dollar budget on a lot of explosions and gunfire props man yeah no i appreciate it um yeah uh i think that that's mainly those are the those are the highlights the jack nicholson and drag was my that's, favorite that's insane <laughs> it's insane. that's absolutely nuts it's like the writers fully understood what they were doing and also had no idea what they were doing all at the same time. Yeah. All right, you want some plot keywords? I'm so ready. All right. Face transplant? Yes. Six of seven found this relevant. <laughs> <laughs> I have so many questions for that other person. Face ripped off. Two of two found it relevant. Uh, <laughs> girl in panties. Thanks, guys. Uh, face. <laughs> um, title spoken by character. Yes. Oh, yeah. That scene, actually, that I want to take his face off, off. with the, the flourish yep. of the hand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, and uh, real quick, real quick. I'm yeah. sorry to interrupt you, and I won't do it again. But no, please. We, just, we, have to, we have to mention, and I would feel it would be remiss not to mention, the face wiping that happens oh, what throughout is the movie. The face wiping? I don't know why we haven't talked about it yet, but every character, John Travolta and his wife and his kid do this thing instead of hugging or saying I love you where they just run their fingers down their each other's faces like palm and like wipe each other's faces in And then they welcome the new child to the family with the daughter doing a face wipe. <laughs> yeah. Like as if it's not scary enough to be meeting brand new family members and have just survived a traumatic event. Now someone's just palmed your young face. Yeah. Uh cool. Is a plot keyword in this movie. Hell yeah. Uh, family love, which <laughs> Shh, could mean, go either way. One man army. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> infidelity. Uh, yeah. Thrown through a window. Punched in the face. <laughs> yes. Uh, bandaged face. Pierced nose. <laughs> Uh, oh, because the daughter is a pierced <laughs> nose? Maybe. It's right next to burned with a cigarette and shot in the chest, but it's it's not a violence that really occurs. No. Falling through not. a glass roof. Uh, carousel. <laughs> Husband-wife relationship. Shot in the foot. <laughs> shot in the ear. Severed ear. Uh, blood. <laughs> death of son. Kicked in the crotch. Bare-chested male. Good versus evil. Female doctor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah woman punches yeah. a man man punches a woman man wears eyeglasses oh my god <laughs> this is the best one electric yet. torture child in jeopardy uh 
Panties. Thanks, guys. Oh. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, black and white scene. Waking up from a coma. Dual wield? Dual wield? Dual wield. That's impossible to say. That's like a rural juror kind of moment. <laughs> <laughs> Try to say it without enunciating each one. Dual wield. Dual, dual wield. I guess of guns. Uh, female gunfighter. Alter, alter boy. Actor boy? Alter boy. Oh, <laughs> I guess. I, mean, I don't yeah. think there's an altar boy in the movie. There's uh, choir singers. B- bullet ballet. Someone just made up a cool. Okay. It's true. It's true. Sure. Stylized violence. Tough yes. guy. Yeah. Impersonating police officer. Shot in the stomach. Death of brother. <laughs> uh, talking to oneself in a mirror. Mm-hmm. Voice impersonator, doppelganger. Don't know if doppelganger fits, guys. I don't guys. think that's... But nope, maybe someone didn't watch the movie and just saw the cover of the movie or a synopsis of the movie. Mm-hmm. Mother-daughter relationship. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Character repeating someone else's dialogue. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> <laughs> First of all, I don't think so. Second of all, What? <laughs> Murder of a police officer, seen during opening credits, uh, disfigured face, mm-hmm. uh, mother-son relationship, it's true, Sure. photograph, <laughs> <laughs> brother-sister relationship, yes, Yes. Uh, wedding ring, sure, yeah, yeah, uh, criminal gang, brother, <laughs> brother-brother relationship, <laughs> yeah, villain played by lead actor, sure, I mean... <laughs> He's just like a villain. <laughs> Stabbed in the leg, gash in the face, shot to death, shot in the leg, shot in the head, shot in the forehead, shot in the back, shot in the arm, falling from height. Moral ambiguity. Spear oh, gun. I feel yeah. like moral ambiguity is the tagline for this film. Wait. Ball song? Ball song? <laughs> that can't me? be a thing. <laughs> Spell it for me. I need to know what you I, well, just I can't said. tell if it's B-A-L-I or Bally song, maybe. Which also, I, that's, that's less uh, of a <laughs> that, thing. That's definitely less. Uh-huh. Uh, latex gloves. Kicked in the chest. <laughs> it just Blockbuster. seems so, so unnecessary to include things like kicked in the chest when you have stuff like stabbed in the ear. But, uh-huh. you know, let's just cover all the bases, I guess. And, and yo, that was like... I would say that was 20% of the plot keywords. There's 234 plot keywords to this. Oh, my God. I skipped over some, like, villain and maniac because they don't tell you anything about the movie. Pigeon is a plot keyword that I left out. And they're not pigeons. They're doves. They're clearly doves. Yeah, that person did a bad job. But they tried their best. They just got excited that there was a bird. I really want to know who one of seven didn't find face transplant relevant. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I guess maybe just two on the nose. Yeah, I, I guess. I don't understand. But I do like that someone um, not only read that and didn't find it helpful, but find, found it unhelpful enough to vote on it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, it is remarkably easy to vote on the relevance of these things. That's true. But even so, I mean, I guess I, guess I don't have 
it does not occur to me to do it, and there's a type of person that it would occur to to do it, and that might be the type of person to just naysay the actual title of the film. Wait, actually, before I got there, I skipped over neo-noir, which is not what this movie is in any way, shape, or form. Wait, what? That's really weird. Identity no... Crisis is also one of them that I skipped over for no good reason. That one is perfect. Neo-noir. Neo-noir. Do you like, think do you think that someone watched the first 90 seconds of this movie when the carousel turns to black and white and then they just shut it off and made an assumption about the other 1 hour and 19 minutes of this movie? Uh yeah, yeah, it seems possible. I don't know. Uh we can get to parental guide if you want. And there's some things I'm going to skip over here because they are unpleasant to talk about, but yep. uh sex and nudity, mild. Several sexual references slash jokes throughout, but nothing too graphic. There is an animated picture of a woman showing her breasts. <laughs> a man and woman kiss. Yeah. Semicolon. He puts his tongue into her mouth and asks her to suck on it. Uh, <laughs> Caster grabs a teenage girl's behind. This is played for laughs. That's worth is, putting in the parental uh, guide. For once, the parental guide might come in handy. Is it played for laughs? I guess it's played for laughs. It, uh, yeah, I mean, it's sort of not played for laughs. It is like an underage girl, but also it's... You're meant to immediately identify to him gross. as a despicable person. Yeah. So it's more like just flat unpleasant, but I don't know if it's for laughs. Uh, two prisoners fight with many punches, kicks, and elbow strikes. One prisoner cuts his opponent's chin with a metal tray before slamming the tray on the other guy's face. He then continues to hit and kick his defeated opponent. However, he stops after realizing what he is doing, and he was only doing this to act tough. Of all the scenes to isolate and explain in great detail, that's a really funny one because it's one of the lesser amounts of violence. It's just punches. A team of surgeons are seen tied up and gagged. They are then showered in petrol, clearly written by a Brit, and set alight by a gang of criminals. This is a quick scene and we only see flames, no blood or gore. Actually, I did want to talk about this. How the fuck does Robert Wisdom end up in the group of people that get burned alive? Because he's not a doctor. Like... Did he It's because it's because they want to erase any person that knew about this cuz the F the FBI didn't sign off on this facial transformation thing. It was supposed to be off the books and it was just their own little private like unit is doing it. And so if they kill everybody that was part of that unit, then there will be no one left on earth that knows that he did a facial transformation and they'll just assume that he's actually Caster Troy. But no, I get why they killed Robert Wisdom. Oh, yeah. I don't know why Robert Wisdom was there to be killed. Because he's not a doctor. Oh. Yeah, I don't know why he was present. Okay, I yeah. understand now. Yeah, I get I them, like, I they, mean, they drag in the doctor because you need the doctor. But, like, right. Robert Wisdom's they, just an FBI agent. And didn't they round up, what's her face, um, the woman who's also overseeing the surgery, yeah, who's later yeah, in the show, Cece Pounder, isn't that her name? Cece that is, H. Yes. Pounder. Yeah. She also gets killed, right? So they just like want to yeah. eliminate all the witnesses. But how does Caster Troy know who the witnesses are? Doesn't matter. That's actually a really good question because he was unconscious. He was unconscious. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So. Yeah, the uh, amount of oversight, the amount of omnipotence that they assume that he has via all of his, like, channels and people he has working for him is actually, like, he is the covert FBI. He's, like, evil FBI. He has so many people to, like, do his bidding. I guess. I mean, uh, I guess. <laughs> this is an interesting sentence that I want to read to you from the Parents' Guide. A dangerous and non-indigenous weapon 
a butterfly knife, is presented with glamorous and instructional detail and is seen in use. A non-indigenous weapon? A dangerous and non-indigenous weapon. I've never heard a weapon described as that before yeah. in my life. What, are, what weapons are indigenous to... Did they mean an illegal weapon and they said it in the weirdest fucking way possible? Maybe? Is that maybe a British thing? Because clearly a Brit's really filling this out. I guess so. Yeah, I have never heard that term, but that's really funny. Uh, Profanity, severe. Around 30 strong expletives, quote unquote, fuck. Other mild expletives, (laughs) shit, ass, bitch, etc. Someone just tallying up every swear. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I tried to tally all the explosions. I got to 30 and I gave up. Uh, frightening and intense scenes. After the face transplant, Sean Archer sees himself as his enemy for the first time. He appears to be pleased at first, but has a sudden anger outburst and has to be sedated. <laughs> okay. Yep. P- parental guide material, I suppose, somehow. I guess. I guess. Uh, it's really more of a, just an acting choice. <laughs> Violence and gore. Castor is stabbed in the thigh with a knife by Jamie, which is then turned to the wound so the wound cannot heal. Uh, parentheses, very little detail. I don't know that you need that in there, Parents Guide. It's it's not even a bloody... You don't see the wound bleed. It's just a stabby moment, and it's a weird back amount of information about what will happen in the future. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Michael Archer's death at the start of the film can be very emotional, and Pollux Troy's death can be emotional. The brother, his villain, or his brother, the villain, mourns over him. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then there, there we go. Oh, there we go. <sighs> I love, I love the keywords. I love that this movie has had so many contributing um, viewers and fans. There are so there many are keywords. Hundred keywords. Epic. It's yeah. Love it. Uh, love it. Love it. There are some taglines that i have never heard of oh i don't even know a tagline for this film okay there's ones i remember which is in order to trap him he must become him okay and in order to uh, to catch him he must become him yes there are two that i have not heard of one is only one will survive (laughs) spoilers (laughs) i guess the last it's like looking in a mirror only not um is it a comedy? Like what? <laughs> is this like a multiplicity tagline or? <laughs> it's unacceptable. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Um. I I just feel like there's so much content for this movie. Like multiple taglines, so much backstory, so much trivia. Like I feel like we've. We've delved in, but we have not done a comprehensive roundup of all of the extra information you could no, acquire about the movie Face Off. There's so much there. There's so much there. This movie also made a shitload of money. Um, for its $80 million it. budget, it made $246 million. I so believe it. That's, go Face Off. I mean, it's an incredibly watchable movie. It really is. Like, it's not in this. It's not of the same caliber that the rest of our like trash movies tend to be. But it's so fucking buck wild that you kind of have to include one of his bangers if you're going to yeah. talk about Cage. Because for as nuts as he is, like, dude's had an illustrious career. I mean, he delivers. When you give him the space, he will fill the space. He's I mean, like a I, liquid. He, yeah. He's like a gas. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, 
And also, 1997 was a year for that guy. His like, peak Conair and Face Off in the same year? You kidding me? That's, I mean, that's probably where he got the dinosaur skull money. Right. I was going to say, that's where a lot of his castle and dinosaur skull uh-huh. money definitely came from and then quickly evaporated. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you buy one dinosaur skull and shit goes quick. If you were going to be a character in this movie. Ooh. <sighs> I mean, it's really hard to pick, but up until the moment that he gets burned to death, being that doctor means you know things about the human body and have done experiments that are just absolutely mind-boggling. And I feel like I want to get inside that brain. Yep. Yeah. No, that that doctor, uh, well, maybe the true villain of the movie, is is, is a remarkable scientist. I've got two. Mm -hmm. Uh, One is also a horrible death, the same horrible death. Uh, Robert Wisdom is just such a sweet carrying he massages his face tenderly like that i want that level of like tenderness in my heart yeah and but i guess the other is like i feel bad for her but to have the radical acceptance of joan allen like you're able to go through life just fucking chill with absolutely what ever comes your way no matter what child shows up on your doorstep from your husband who just deceived you and tried to kill you maybe and you'll never know if he's him or not ever he brings you his the the son of the man who killed your son to raise as your own and you're just down from the jump I want that level of acceptance in my life. So that's so, she's so pure of heart. She just wants to love and be loved, man. It doesn't quite matter who's doing the loving and who she's loving. Just random kid, zero questions. Accepted into that house. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no questions asked. Um, Also, she's a smart doctor. So, you know, she's got her own cool thing going on. She is a smart doctor. Yeah. Uh, Woman as doctor. There's a part of me that wants to be Pincus, but. Yeah, I mean, but you never know what Pincus looks like. We don't. We yeah. don't. We only He's... know about Pincus in the abstract. I know, poor little Pincus. He left this world too soon, mm. or she. Could be she. Never, never quite clear that up. <sighs> you know, what a treat. Yeah, it was a lovely movie. Thank you for suggesting it. <laughs> I feel like I feel like you know it is. It's Nicolas Cage, like jolly old Saint Nicholas month, but it's also. It's worth gifting ourselves something in time for the holidays. Mm-hmm. And I think this was a mm-hmm. present that we gave to each other, which is watching a legitimately pretty awesome movie. Yeah. <clears throat> and now we, you know, in two weeks, we get to hunker down to one of the worst ones he ever made. Oh, yeah. Yes. Do we want to talk about what that's going to be real fast? Or... I've forgotten the name of it, but... Uh, it's going to be you... Deadfall. Deadfall. That's right. Famously one of the, like, prominently featured movies in that losing his shit montage that got mm-hmm. so famous. So, mm-hmm. like, that's... He's got a yucky little mustache. I'm looking forward it's, to it. Uh, it looks pretty god-awful. It got 0% on Rotten Tomatoes, or damn near it? No, zero. It's zero. the other 0%. And and oh, appears yeah. to be a much worse movie it than Grand bad. Isle, which was just sort of unremarkable until the end. I'm looking forward to it so much. Yeah. Can't wait. <sighs> well. In the meantime, I'll be I'll... Henry. I'll continue to be Michelle and a flock of doves. As St. Nick says, experiment and fast forward into the future of acting. Oh,